0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. You are Locked On Celtics. Your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Man, I'm so I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible.
1: Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, my anything's <gasps> possible. Wait. Fade Away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. I get excited about it every night. About it. a real seas fan wouldn't wanna live their life without it. Banner 18 in the making, we gotta make it. Best squad in the East, and still we can't get complacent. Most
2: winning franchise, so the history's ancient. You could tell the other guys are going plan a vacation. Plan a vacation. Yeah, Corrales, Packard and J. King locked on trying to get the 18th ring. The most in-depth coverage that you ever gonna hear. Well-respected in a city, like Russell's career.
1: It's Rain and J. Millie.
0: Welcome back. This is the Locked On Celtics podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network, and today I, John Corrales of the Rain and Jays, am going to have a conversation with Tony East of the Locked On Pacers podcast. Continuing our crossover shows here for the playoffs. A little taste of the hosts both both sides of a series. So, I uh, want to thank everybody, all you new listeners. Remember, get the, the podcast on the new Himalaya Podcast app, Google Play, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, all the places where we get your podcasts. You can always tell your smart device in your car at home to play podcast Locked On Celtics. And now, here's the conversation between me and Tony East of Locked On Pacers.
1: Locked on crossovers continue here. Locked on Pacers, Locked on Celtics. Tony East here with Locked on Pacers. Uh, I cover the Pacers over at 8.9 seconds in for the West Indianapolis Community News. On to the line, Locked on Celtics, one of their hosts, John Corrales. John, how are you? How's I'm, Indy?
0: I'm doing okay. I've been in Indy for a few hours. So far, so good. Had a you know decent dinner, nothing spectacular, but it was, uh, you know, get myself some barbecue chicken. Been sitting there, have a couple of drinks at the hotel bar, watched a little bit about uh, this uh Sixers-Nets game, yeah. and uh, now I'm just kind of just chilling out a little bit. Do you oh, see Brad today?
1: Does Brad love being back home?
0: You know, it's funny. Brad was asked exactly that question, and he was like, you know what? Basically saying it's a business trip. I'm going to be holed up in my hotel. I'll see people in the summer. So I don't <laughs> think Brad's like out and about, like just enjoying whatever scenery exists in downtown. He's only like Indiana 20 minutes Boston. from
1: Butler. That surprises me.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, he's he... Look, that guy is focused. I yeah, wish I had ten percent of his focus. That would that would help me out a lot.
1: I have none of that. <laughs> My age will show here, but when the butler runs happened, I was in eighth grade. And I just remember like like they would somehow miraculously pull off these games and their whole team's running around jumping doing crazy stuff, and Brad's just standing there, arms <laughs> folded, like almost <laughs> the crazy. And it's like, how do you stay composed and all like, that?
0: Go crazy, Brad. Go crazy.
1: <laughs> so Brad did a great job uh, in the first two games of the series. Keeping uh getting the Celtics adjusted well, getting the rotation ironed out without Smart. Um, how do you feel the Celtics have done with Adam? Obviously they've won both games, but um you know I don't I don't want to th- I don't want this to sound like a skewed thing to say, but like they've won the games on an individual big quarter in each game. It's not like they've had wire to wire dominance. You know how have you felt sure. about how they have played so far?
0: I think they've had stretches where they played okay. Uh, I think they've had stretches where they played. Like they have played in the past. Uh, game two is super interesting because Al Horford was also sick and he did not look like himself. Like that no, was not. not the Al Horford that I know. And he was clearly like a shell of himself. And so no Marcus Smart and half an Al Horford is really really tough. Uh, and they rode Al Horford really hard late in the game, and, and he did just enough, especially in the fourth quarter, pulling Miles Turner away from the basket, but. Uh, they they did what they needed to do, uh, but I was not a fan of how much Daniel Tice I saw, especially yeah, Daniel Tice and Marcus me. Morris. And oh my God, that was like when when he um, when he checked in, I was sitting there looking t- t- to the Raiders next to me. I was like, "What's happening here? What, what, what's Brad <laughs> Daniel doing?" Nice. Yeah, but it was for because like, because, for like because the Al Horford is sick. Yeah, they really had. They really had little choice. I mean, you had uh, the, they, they touted the whole two big lineup. And then I think Brad went away from the two big lineup because it it wasn't, it wasn't working for them offensively. And I think he wanted to go small, but he also had a sick Al Horford. So instead of Al Horford and Marcus Morris on the floor, it was Daniel Tyson, Marcus Morris on the floor. And that is a slight drop off in talent. So, uh,
1: but Horford has been amazing. He's yeah. I mean, from your like, perspective, like the way he's able to flip from perfect pick and roll defense on Sabonis, who I think the feat of the series, Kyrie had 37 in a game. And I'm going to talk about how crazy it is that Al Horford held Sabonis to one shot attempt from the field because his defense is so good. Seamlessly flipping from defending those pick and rolls, to being glued to Miles Turner on the pops containing ball handlers all at once it's unbelievable
0: yeah i mean that's he didn't do much offensively i think he was doing all of his work uh, on the defensive end expending all of his energy on the yep. defensive end which that's that's what they needed they needed somebody who could switch they needed who's somebody who can who can cut off the the bigs and in who could curtail the progress of guards trying to run off the pick and rolls um and I think the uh the offensive side he just kind of sacrificed and 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 picked his picked his spots um, he still played uh what he ends up playing uh thirty seven minutes, yeah. which is wild for him uh, i'd say I'd say probably fifteen of those were like just I'm on the floor because I have to be. And because I need somebody to pay attention to me uh, from Indy's defense. And that was it. Uh, if this was a regular season game, I don't think he would have played. Um, in fact, I saw him walking back to the trainer's room, talking to a doctor. And he was like, eh, basically saying,
1: I don't feel great, but I'm good enough.
0: And that, yeah. that,
1: that was it. Man, it's like, he's not a rebounder. And he's led both games in rebounding. Well, in my mind. Um, yeah he's been crazy to me
2: he can still he can
0: still get on the board like he has a reputation for not being a rebounder but a lot of it is because he has spent a lot of time like early in his career he was spending a lot of time at the four and away from the rim Uh, now that he's playing a lot more five and guarding fives especially in this new nba he finds himself around to get those rebounds a little bit more that's fair
1: yeah, he, that game, too, he was he was my biggest takeaway. I mean, Kyrie hit everything. I'm not t- trying to take away from how incredible he was in that game. Down the stretch, everything worked for him. And Tatum was really good, too. But Horford's D was the hallmark to me because I'm embarrassed by giving up 31 in a fourth, and in a quarter you have to have if you're – I mean, have to have if you're the Pacers. But only scoring 12, and it's like just miss after miss it, – it, it, is such credit to the Celtics defense to just clamp down at that time. And that's part of why they scored 31 as well. It was just such an impressive defensive quarter to me.
0: Right. I mean, this is another stretch. Like there were a couple of layups, like Thad Young oh. was backing, backing Jalen Brown down, and he hit that little baby hook shot and it bounced four times and then fell off the rim. Like there were like two, I felt oh, like two both of those games, shots.
1: They, the Pacers have probably had like 15 of those shots in these two games.
0: Yeah. Um, uh, and I feel like That's that's very unfortunate for you guys. Um, There's always it always seems to be one stretch where that happens. And like there's just that's just how it goes. Like he just missed in a very painfully way, very painful way. But he just he just missed that shot. Um, And you spend so much energy trying to back Jalen Brown down to that point that that you just miss. I think the game turned when miles Turner hit the bench.
1: Yeah. Kyrie Uh, was very high praise about his D.
0: Yes. Uh, when he hit the bench to start the fourth quarter, Celtics made that run and shaved eight points off that lead. And that's when Kyrie came in and gave the Celtics a lead. Um, I think you can go back to the, well, we just missed shots from the Pacers perspective, uh, you shot, but you shot 44%. Uh, the early part of the game, it, the shots were falling. Uh, but that third quarter where miles Turner just erased everything. He
1: was everything.
0: I've never seen a guy, um, play that kind of defense at the rim. Like that's the best I've seen miles Turner play defense. Um, it, and it was like, he was making the Celtics look comically bad. Like Marcus Morris threw a shot over the back of his head, like (laughs) falling away. (laughs) Uh, but at the beginning of that fourth quarter, he was on the bench and the Celtics were like, ah, the rim. I see the rim and I'm going to attack it. (laughs) Uh, so my question for you is what do you do at that point? First of all, that was some elite level defense by miles Turner. And he's capable of that. And I'm, I'm sure he can play that again. Can he reach that level of elite level defense again? And secondly, when he does hit the bench, what do you do?
1: Yeah, well, a lot of the the regular season, the Pacers bench has been good. They, you know, Corey Joseph's done an, a noble job on Kyrie. To, in my opinion, uh, in these games, obviously, you know, you're not gonna, no one's gonna look back on Game Two and remember Corey Joseph holding Kyrie to 37 points, but. <laughs> Uh, You know, the effort's there, the energy's there. It's the stuff that I like to see guarding him. Um, But, you know, between him and then Tyreek doing just enough in the pick and roll, we saw what he can be when he's on in game two. And Sabonis as that role man, that bench unit has been superb. And that's why they're able to get away with Turner on the bench for stretches is because they can rely on Sabonis to be a part of a quality unit. Let the Locked On NBA Network of podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports.
0: Hollinger and Duncan, rejecting the screen, the Locked On NBA podcast. Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet,
2: wherever you get your podcasts.
1: You know, Horford showed, every, Horford has pretty much exposed every the bonus has. And the glaring huge one being that, I am i mean, I can't believe I haven't heard this talked about more. It's like, he can only go one way. And we've known it all year long. He's going over his right shoulder in the post. And he's just so good at it that normally it doesn't matter. He scored on everybody doing it. He scored on Embiid. He scored on Gobert. He, he can just do it. But Al Horford has figured this out. He has figured out where to stand. He's figured out when to put his arms up. He's figured out when to to dive in as the help man when they double him just to cut off that right shoulder turn and make it impossible for him to get a good look, and it is working so well, and it was working so well in game one that in game two they said, okay, Sabonis, now we're going to have you be more of a passer, but when only Tyreek is hitting shots on your second unit, that didn't work very well. It's just They just figured out how to stop him and make his impact so low that, that Turner has, beyond playing very well in defense, looked even more important than he normally does.
0: Yeah, I think it's funny to hear you speak, and I don't know what your opinion of Al Horford was before. Very high, very
1: high. Good, good, because (laughs) I I
0: feel like there's a a situation where people who don't see Al Horford on the regular will be like, ah, you know, he's good, but... Uh, 13 and 6. Yeah, you know, whoa, look at those stats, like the counting stats. And then you look at him play, you watch him play, especially in a series, and then people go... Oh, oh, okay. I get it. Yeah. And, and it's like, well, yeah, we've been trying to tell you this about Al Horford. Like he's just a, he's a brilliant basketball player. He's oh my god, smart. He's so we'll smart.
1: Talk, we'll just talk about angles and positioning and the stuff that, that, you know, unless like you played, but like we, as viewers don't necessarily understand as well, if you want to understand it, like watch Al Horford, he's always in the right spot facing the perfect direction with his arms kind of stretching the right way to cut off everything all at once. And it's just where he is, is so perfect all the time.
0: Yeah. I'll relay a little story that I saw from him in practice. I went in there and he's, he's got his own, he's got the Celtic coaches. He's got his own personal guy and he's not just going through like the low post and all the other stuff and shooting at certain spots or whatever. He's shooting from like the elbow, free throw line, top of the key, and he's asking the the his guy to challenge the shot. And the guy challenges the shot, and and Al's like, no, 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 do it from this side, and and get your hand like here, up at this angle, and challenge <laughs> it here. And then the guy challenges his shot, like he's like, yes, exactly like that. So he is so precise that he wants to practice his jumper. Against a, a, he knows exactly what's happening, how the defense is playing him, from which angle the defender is coming. He's practicing a specific shot for when the guy, uh, after he sets the pick and he pops out that the guy is coming from this angle, from that spot on the floor and he's coming and he's getting his hand right about here in my face. So do that and get your hand here in my face so he can replicate that so he can work on that shot. That's the level of precision that Al Horford, and I'm sure other players, but I just saw Al Horford doing it. That's the level of precision where that that he's operating in, and that's it's really just amazing to see exactly how he's setting up situations so he can practice that shot. So when he gets it, he's comfortable with what's happening. It's it's a it's a level of basketball that even like yeah, I played, but I didn't do that shit. Right? Like you know. <laughs> Anybody who played like even at the highest levels, there's some NBA players who are like, Oh wow. Okay. Like that's just a level of detail that the elite players and I, Al Horford is an elite player. That's a level of detail that the elite players just incorporate in their regular preparation for a game.
1: Yeah. You're absolutely right. I want you to do thoughts now. Cause I've done more. Talk about what you see <laughs> from, from the Celtics and the Pacers. So
0: uh, from the Celtics, I saw um, it, it kind of progressed so at the beginning of the game, the Celtics uh, they they still had like their chemistry type issues like the, when you don't have a, a Marcus smart on the floor, you take away a primary ball handler where even if Kyrie's the one handling the ball and whatever smart's not looking for his offense he's going to catch and shoot and he'll take the open shot but and he'll, he'll make the right play, but he's not actively searching for his offense, whereas Jalen Brown does from time to time. And I think early on, there were some drives, there were some attacks where it's just like, not now, Jalen. Uh, and there's still, because he spent the entire year, minus the first 20 games, doing that and on the second unit. And I think once you're in that habit, you're in that habit. Right. So starting with these guys, and he's played with these guys, but. When you come in, it's just different when you come in later on because you play with those guys, and then they start to hit the bench, and you get to do your thing. Um, so there's still an adjustment, and I, I I don't love still I don't love how the games are starting for the South. So they 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 did hit a bunch of shots.
1: Um, they were ten kind to of two, and then all of a sudden they were losing like five seconds later.
0: Yeah, so game two.
1: Sorry,
0: I, I no, yeah, that's fine. Um, I think. I mean, obviously both teams were were hitting a ton of shots in game two early. Uh, the Celtics in the third quarter had some, I'm going to dismiss the Daniel Tice lineups. Like that was weird, but <laughs> I'm going to just throw that out because that's not, I think, something that Brad Stevens, it's not like he's doing that and I'm like, huh, this is an interesting wrinkle. I don't think that's an adjustment by Brad Stevens. That's uh, Al Horford's probably, you know, sick and and needs an iv but so we're going to we're going to buy time this is just going to buy us a few minutes uh, he was a plus one hey give him credit hey, sure no hey <laughs> i'm kidding he <laughs> played with the bench that was amazing um, the third quarter i didn't like obviously because that was the quarter where the Celtics got outscored what 20, uh, 20 29-16 29-16 is what it was yes um I didn't like how they attacked Turner and I I'm I all about, it. It yeah, awesome. of course you did. Of course <laughs> you did. Uh, I'm all about attacking the shot blocker, like make the shot blocker, make a decision, like go at him and make him commit to you. And then either send a guy baseline or send a guy fine or, or just get into his body and make him, Go vertical. See if he's going to not go vertical. And I'm fine with a blocked shot or two, but eventually his arms are going to go down. That jumping gets you tired. He's going to lose position. He's going to get sloppy with it. So just keep challenging him. But the Celtics didn't challenge him. They kind of half-assed it. And they would, like, Jason Tatum would kind of put his elbow out and then try to bounce off of him and do this kind of layup. But Turner's just so big and athletic, he just got to those shots anyway. So it's, it's hard to, it's hard to score on him, but like the way they were trying, I didn't like, uh, I also didn't like that Brad Stevens. I don't like he, how he handled that quarter. I don't like that. He didn't stop the momentum. Uh, a couple times where I thought, you know, this would be a great place for a timeout just to get you, get, get you guys some rest, get you guys like to just stop the momentum. Like, but once Turner hit the floor, like that fourth quarter, they they turned it on. They, their eyes got wide, and they attacked. And once, once they attacked, and I think in the fourth quarter, you got, um, and you tell me if I'm wrong in assessing this about the Pacers. Once the Pacers got discombobulated at the beginning of the fourth quarter, and once Miles Turner got back in and was, had to deal with Al Horford at the top of the key, being on the three-point line, like the rest of the Pacers were like, I don't, I don't know what to do now. <laughs> and
1: that happened in the third quarter of game one too yeah they see seven shots from out all of a sudden they're like what the hell do we do or make we're, every shot we make even if it's good doesn't go in
0: yeah I, I do you think the pacers get discouraged like god we're missing shots again and they, they um, hang their heads
1: Discouraged is, is the wrong word that's not i'm not saying your analysis is wrong because frustrated. clearly clearly there is a snowball effect right it's happened two games in a row and maybe it's a coincidence, but that this is the season. The season has seen this trend happen before. So there's something to this. To me, it's what happens is they break their rhythm. You know, they, mm-hmm. they go to simplified sets. Like half that third quarter of game one was like, okay, it's bonus DHO at the left elbow. Oh, nothing's there again. Okay. uh bonus DHO at the left elbow. Oh, dang, nothing's there again. It's like, do something else. Yeah. Run. It, it, you know, and, and then because it's not working, they get even more frustrated. And it just keeps piling on and piling on. I've talked about this on the show before, so everybody listening on my end has heard this ramble from me before. But it's not so much discouraging, it's just like they kind of get primal. They go they go back to like this instinctual one action that they that has worked well for them in the regular season and suddenly it's being contained by Tatum and Horford and it's not there and now they have nothing. And yeah. it, it just it piles on and on and on and on. And that's credit to Celtics defense because, you know, step on the throat, don't let off. They, they keep it happening, and then all of a sudden you have an 8-point quarter or a 12-point quarter, and those just can't happen. They cannot happen in the playoffs. That, that's the reason they have lost these games is those two quarters.
0: Sure. Um, now, one thing that I brought up in the last podcast, last night's post-game podcast, was Nate McMillan and the lack of creativity. That
1: Yeah. I, well, I, go ahead.
0: No, sorry. go ahead. No, 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 no. no.
1: I want to hear what what you mean by it before I. So I.
0: When before the game, I did like a YouTube live and I said it's imperative for the Pacers to get Bogdanovich going early and preferably getting him some easy shots going to the rim. Yep. So agreed uh, because that's Bogdanovich is a, a, a shooter. And as an aside, I thought the Celtics did a great job running him off the line. And, like, he hit two huge monster shots, jump shots. They are also
1: hard as hell shots.
0: Yes. Like, I was getting on him for not hitting, like, the star shot. Like, when he missed, it was 82-81, and he missed the shot. I was like, see, that's a a star makes that shot. Kyrie hit his shot, and that's why I made my tweet. But then Bogdanovich shut me up. (laughs) <laughs> by hitting two straight, like very difficult shots. But then the Celtics ran him off the line and turned him into a driver. And that's where he's, I don't think that's where he's comfortable at all. But going back to my original thing, early on, you want to get him some easy shots going to the basket because that gets him in rhythm. You see the ball going in the in the basket. And then you can, you as a shooter, I know that you can start getting going. So all that being said, back to my creativity line, what did they do in the first play? They weren't floppy. And, of the, the game same. of the quarter. Of the game. Their first possession of the game. Their
1: first possession. wasn't it that no, it was that uh that Spain lob thing to Thad. Their second possession was that floppy, I remember.
0: Okay. Well their first half possession. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember like there was they like, run
1: floppy a lot. I
0: yeah. So and that's my point. Like, okay, here comes the Pacers running floppy again. So there's Bogdanovich on the baseline. He's gonna make his decision and blah blah blah. We're gonna just read it and he's gonna read it and and whatever. So and and they cut it off and it, it didn't work. Now Bogdanovich had a nice game, but like I wanted to see like if I saw it and you saw it, you agreed with what my assessment there of getting him going early and getting him some shots to the rim, do something. Do something different. So run run like a staggered screen. Run a horn set, something different than floppy that you run all the time.
1: They like to mix it up because they have Matthews or Bogdanovich do like a back screen for the other one on the baseline before they get into it. But that's like the only wrinkle. It's like, who's it going to be? Um, they usually, like over 40 games this year, their first play was they had this fake pin down screen from Bojan for Collison where he would just immediately cut under the rim and Turner would find him for a layup. And it worked like 75% of the time. If Bojan scored the first basket every time. So that's the only reason I remember the first play so vividly is because they ran this back screen lob for Thad and got the dunk, and I was like, "Whoa, what? What was that? <laughs> that was cool." Yeah, um, it threw me off because it wasn't the normal first play. And yeah, Boyan. Well, so so Boyan can like kind of get to the rim on his own, but like it does require those kind of creative sets to get him there. And I don't know. Maybe they're like maybe they weren't willing to go to that level of creativity early and save it for the end. It didn't work, whatever they decided to do. Um, so, yes, I will say that I would prefer to see him get going early because he didn't do much of anything until the fourth on offense. Um, but I do think they spun some, they weaved in to some creativity uh, outside of their every third possession floppiness that they like to go to. <laughs> <laughs> but, the, you know, there were, there, were, there were more than one set that I said, oh, I've never seen that before. That was cool. Well, I mean that's that's good. I, I didn't we, notice- creativity related to Boyan. There was none creativity I, for everyone. There was a little bit.
0: <laughs> okay, I, I was more focused on Boyan. That's fair. Uh, that's fair. And I was, because and I'll be honest than. with you, I was traveling today, so I did not get a chance to rewatch and and take a closer look. So uh, I am flying kind of half blind, but I was very focused on what they were doing for Boyan because that's the guy. And everything flows off of him. If he's not going to get going, then okay, sure. Like Tyreek got, got hot for a little bit. Uh, Wes Matthews got hot for a little bit, but that doesn't, that never lasts for more than a short stretch, really. So y- you got to do something. Like, and I don't know, I don't know what that answer is necessarily, but like you've, you've got to, you got to run something that, can at least force the Celtics defense to make decisions so that's why I said like maybe like a certain level of like stagger screens or uh, there I've seen teams start to use like these these dribble handoffs but like they they run the dribble handoff where the guy is running past the ball handler and they spin around and they turn him back the other way and he and he it's it's almost like a fake dribble handoff back to a dribble handoff. And it's just some, something there that tells me that the, the Pacers coaching staff is is trying to get this guy going. If the Celtics all of a sudden have to think about how to guard Bogdanovich, then other guys get sprung free for the cuts and the backdoor stuff. And, and that's when they get lost because the Celtics' defense – can break down like that they can lose their focus like that so if you're if i would just want to see something different to get him going
1: i am all for it wear a suit to the game on friday <laughs> Sneak down there see, see if they'll let you draw something on a clipboard sure the, sure the creativity complaints from the pacers side was the end of the game actually um, was it? yeah I was Bojan's you mean not like the iso. last 45
0: seconds or?
1: <laughs> well, you can extend it a little farther. I mean, Bojan's not an ISO guy. Like, yeah, he, we talked about it. he hit two crazy shots, but he's just he, – he he can't get to do it all on his own. And they had to set the screen so high to even free him up a little bit. And ISO's not creative. Now, you don't ISO at the end of the game because it's the best play. You ISO at the end of the game so you don't turn over the ball. Right. But – they, they, you know, the complaints are justified that they were playing to not lose instead of playing to win the Pacers. And then they completely lost by doing literally everything wrong for 45 seconds. Um, and when that happens, you can point back and say, well, every decision you made was clearly wrong, and I, I understand why.
0: That last that last stretch. So Matthews throws the ball directly into the uh, Celtics bench,
1: wide open Celtics bench.
0: But I mean, they were open. Jayler <laughs> Renega was open, and he's a great shooter. So, um, but okay, that's fine. That happens, and it, uh, obviously, in that situation, you don't want it to happen. But sometimes that happens. What really is problematic from a Pacers perspective in that is that that was the end of the game. And there was still time to play, and there were, still, there were still opportunities to stop the Celtics, and there were still opportunities to go score. But that pass out of bounds effectively ended the game because the Pacers completely unraveled. They, they uh, for whatever reason, they completely lost their focus. And I think when Kyrie came down and the Celtics were up one, Everybody in the building, myself included, I said it out loud, Kyrie is absolutely 100% going to take this shot and go for the dagger to, to to end the game, and he didn't. He gave it up to Jason Tatum, and Tatum drove, and Tatum gave it up to Gordon Hayward, who got completely free for an easy layup. Oh.
1: So, Watching that play back, it's like, I get why Collison stepped up to cut off the ball handler, but... But he didn't. Ha- he didn't have to. <laughs> it's such a split second. Like, oh my god, there's 30 seconds left. Decision. That's just like, oh.
0: It's, but it shouldn't, even, it shouldn't have even, got to that point.
1: No, it should not yeah,
0: have. Like, and and I think, what I said in the podcast last night was, uh, what the Pacers are missing is that guy to calm everybody down and my partner Chris said like a glue guy And, and and I didn't even think of like Victor Oladipo I thought about a Marcus Smart like in that situation the thing that Indy needed most was a guy to rally the troops clapping saying okay forget it guys here's what we're doing like everybody focus you've got this guy here's what we're doing everybody stay up like, there was no rah rah. There was no rally guy. There was no person on that team on that, but nobody was like, come on, come on, we got it. Like, and I don't want to boil it down to some simple, like, rah rah bullshit, but that's what you needed at that time.
1: It's, somebody it's, to, like, clap. It's usually, it's usually Thad Young, but he was out of the game because they went, oh, five shooters, okay. And then yeah. he, wasn't, he wasn't there.
0: That's That's the thing. Like, sometimes you just need, like, when you're standing there, staring off into oblivion daydreaming somebody you need somebody to clap in your face and go okay wake up focus and yeah. that that wasn't that wasn't there on the floor um and i think that's the pacers still had an opportunity stop the celtics in that position in that possession there and they they had an opportunity to go down and score especially the way that that went i don't know i i don't want to boil it back down to that you don't, you don't, there's a missing piece, but the Pacers are missing something and it could Victor the Oladipo is like, yeah, <laughs> like that's the, they're missing. They're missing that guy. That's in that moment you needed like Bogdanovich hit those shots, but in that moment, you still needed the guy to create his own thing. And, and he just couldn't do it. He he, he still got past the defender. But the Celtics played it that way, and he got blocked, or he missed the reverse layup. And then that was it. So I, I let's look forward because... Forward. 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 All of that being said, all of that being said... We're not done here, folks. I've seen the Celtics take 2 nothing leads, and Brad Stevens referenced this after the <laughs> game. They took a 2 nothing lead last year against uh, Milwaukee. They've taken 2 nothing leads, multiple series.
1: You know what and, our 2 nothing lead we referenced was on our show? What? the When Celtics were down 2-0 to the Bulls. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. And that's it. That's true, though. And there's... Remember there these? Is,
0: there is that... The cliches come around for a reason. The role players play better at home. Like... You're gonna get some guys that play better because you've got that Pacers crowd. Like I'm excited to be in Bankers Life. I want to see what that crowd's gonna be like uh, for this game on Friday night. That crowd that is gonna be extra hyped because first of all, 8:30 game, so a little extra time to get a little lubricated. You're gonna have the opportunity. This is this is it. You're fighting for your lives. The Celtics, meanwhile. Have been horrible all year long. When they've had, when they've gotten comfortable, like everybody's sitting here saying, "Oh, this is over." Like this series feels like it's over. The Celtics—that's the worst thing they could hear. The worst thing they could hear because now they walk in there, and be like, "The series is over," and then they screw around. And the Pacers play with an insane level of urgency and the juice from the crowd, the juice from being at home. Gets them going, and I would not be shocked at all if the Pacers open the game like twenty to five. Like that would not shock me in the least bit because that would be perfectly Celtics. Now the Celtics could still come back and win, or they could just dick around and, and be like, "Ah, eh, all we need to do is take one." Right. But that's I, I. I would hope that they don't, but I can totally see the Celtics come around and be like we got to get one, and if, if the Pacers come out and blow the doors off them in the first quarter, then it's just chalk it up, whatever, forget it. Garbage time, fourth quarter, and the Celtics try to come out on Sunday and and, and take that one.
1: That would be great. <laughs> yeah. I, so I- I'm glad you brought the role-player thing because I didn't say this, but I thought about saying it earlier. Game one, Marcus Morris was gr- great. Yes. Um, hitting shots left and right. His defense was good enough. Um, he looked like pre all star break Marcus Morris game two. He was not good, uh, um, but on the flip side, Tara in game one was not good outside of a buzzer beater that was of the most, of course, end of a quarter <laughs> ever for my heart. <laughs> that but was in game two, good. he was good both mm-hmm. playing alongside Kyrie as a two and playing defense, which is not yeah. normally he, he was
0: an excellent defender, yeah, excellent in that game.
1: Very that good game. defender in that game. Those two, so those two guys flipped, sure, but. It's those kind of guys who have the better games at home, and not—I'm not saying like Marcus Morris and Terros you are like swing the game, but it matters. It matters a lot that they're better than anyone on the Pacers bench. Like I imagine Sabonis does better at home. I mean, he can't do worse. Sure. <laughs> uh, guys like that, West Matthews, for example, he's sure. bad in both games. So I think that helps a lot. That shaves the lead, or at least cuts into it somewhat. Now, the Pacers cannot also do the same thing you're saying and say, well, we're screwed, we don't have our guy. You know They have to come out at home and win and play their best, too. So mm-hmm. I, I worry about their mental psyche seeing two games where I bet they feel like you know if you go quarter by quarter, like 75% of both games, we've been the better team. We just haven't won one yet. And that sucks. And I, I just think they have to stay focused. I think they can win one. or I mean, I think they can win both. I don't think they will win both. Um, but I think the opportunity is there if the focus is there, which is always a fun anecdote to be wrong for. But <laughs> um,
0: I, I definitely think like these these teams still as as much as the Pacers miss Oladipo, and as much as they struggle in certain situations, they still are right there. Like twelve point lead going into the fourth quarter. I know leads don't mean as much as they used to, but you're still going to the fourth quarter of twelve. Yeah, You have an opportunity to, and, and you still still took a lead late in the game with 50 and seconds
1: left. They're a wing.
0: Yeah. By two. They, you, you had a lead when when Horford blocked that shot. And now it was a hell of a play by Jalen Brown, like getting by Collison, streaking up the left side, going up and recognizing the challenge from Miles Turner and swinging that pass over to Jason Tatum that's a big, like Brad Stevens was gushing about that play after the game.
1: I was very happy for a few seconds. And then I was very <laughs> not happy.
0: You are a fan of Jalen Brown. Like if it wasn't I am to a fan of Jalen Brown. If it didn't happen to your team, you, you could probably appreciate that play more.
1: <laughs> and from our perspective
0: in Boston, that was like, we, we've never seen him make that play. That's usually a play where he goes up and he challenges Miles Turner or whomever to either try to dunk on him or try to get the foul or whatever. But to make the pass in that situation was kind of a new thing for Jalen Brown. So we were, we were very excited to see that, but you had that lead. And even after that shot, you still had an opportunity, but they're down one point. Yeah. Like it's still, so you're still right there after all of this stuff. You're still right there on the road with an opportunity to win. Now the collapse at the end was Epic. And that was, that was brutal is there
1: like a hyperbole for the word collapse
0: i it, i don't know howburyrome
1: would yeah. would be jealous of what happened in the last minute <laughs> that was that was something like <laughs> i mean 10 minutes they are 10 minutes 10 points in 50 seconds
0: yeah is, that was not nuts that's brutal but from a pacer's perspective i can totally see even with that like in the immediate aftermath you say Man, how do they recover from that? But you say, okay, we screwed up. We lost our focus. But if we keep our focus, who knows what happens? And if we just defend a little bit better and hit a couple of shots, if I hit this layup, if I hit this hook shot, then the story is different. So you're there and you're going home and you think, look, they defend home court, we defend home court. And then we go over there and we have another opportunity to take a game from them, which we have shown twice that we can do. We've just got to finish off that play and finish off, play the full 48 and we can do it. So I can see the level of optimism there from a Pacers side from a Celtic side. I feel like, you know, first game kind of figuring ourselves out. Second game, Al Horford was like a shell of himself for, for at least offensively for half the That's a shell. God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> at least offensively, offensively. Like if Al Horford's out there hitting shots.
1: Yeah. Touche. Like
0: Touche. Yeah. So if, if on offense, he's out there and picking and popping and hitting those threes, then, then forget it. Like, so each team has the, the opportunity to say this could have been better for us.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think there's a lot the Pacers can hang their hats on, particularly on the defensive end. Um ninety-nine eighty-four scoring numbers is good. I'm okay with those. Uh it's not great when you're only scoring 74-91, but uh you can be happy with the defense and have a little more concerted effort focused on the offense. If you make, you know, one more three before the last fifty seconds, you probably win game two. Uh game one, they miss nine free throws like that. I think they, I think they think they can do it, and I think that's going to be huge for them. I don't know that they will, but I predict that they, that game three they will win. Game four, when uh, if the Pacers do in game three, both teams are officially zoned in, will be interesting.
0: Yeah, I think I can totally see a game three Pacers win. I can totally see it. It just it makes so much sense for what what's at stake for them going home. I mean, this is this is the classic. I mean, it's not it's not really the, the toughest prediction in the world to make that the team down Oh two going home at game three is going to be, you know, ridiculously desperate uh, and, and playing better. And like I said, the Celtics team, this Celtics team has struggled with prosperity. Like they don't handle adversity well because they don't handle prosperity well. And that's, you see that in all of the big leads that they've blown and then once things start going downhill, they they haven't this season been able to right the ship. A little bit better in the playoffs so far, but um, like I will say, like that game too, i I've seen the Celtics lose that game a million times this season. Like after that third quarter, they they would lose their focus and and start trying to throw like haymakers and not play. And, and not do the things that they need to do to like get to the basket and score easy buckets and all that stuff. Like the way that third quarter went, I was like, I've seen this quarter before. This I've seen regular season losses where that third quarter was just the precursor to a fourth quarter of missed shots and forced threes and isolation, but to the Celtics' credit they didn't do that. So who knows? Maybe maybe the Celtics in game three get they Man. they flip the script, they they do something different.
1: I can't believe you're predicting the first ever reverse sweep in NBA history. (laughs) I don't don't
0: even know what the hell I'm predicting anymore. I I will (laughs) say, I'm I'm still, I'm still, still, still curious about the starting lineup. I still am not 100% sold on Jalen Brown. Brown You're in the
1: Sammy train still?
0: No, not necessarily Shemi. I mean, I'm still advocating for that, but um, at least maybe Gordon Hayward. Um, Okay, he's been good. He's been good coming home. Indy last time in Indy, he was perfect. Um, Let it go to his head. I love it. What's that?
1: Let it go to his head. Let's, I love it. That's right. <laughs>
0: um, but the two reasons. The the, the first reason was what I just said that Hor- that uh, Hayward was was great in Indy the last time, and and maybe you want Ooh. to have him alongside Kyrie, the the two ball handlers in there. And then secondly, Jalen Brown was in foul trouble a lot. He he has a bunch of early fouls. So maybe Brad wants to save some of those and and not have Jalen Brown be hampered by the foul trouble and, and you get more out of them. So I still think that there's a wrinkle in that starting lineup to be to be had. Uh, I'm gonna it's gonna be like the Celtics might make it to the, the NBA finals with this exact same lineup. I'd be like, I still
1: think that Jalen Brown <laughs> Game seven against the Warriors. I don't know. Wow. Wow. You heard that prediction here. <laughs> a lot going yeah. on here. Yeah, there's a lot. It's weird know that you're going to play a game seven against the Warriors after getting reverse swept by Indy. I don't know. How yeah,
0: yeah, I know. It's going to be weird
1: <laughs> how that goes. Uh, P- yeah, I'm excited for these games. Uh, if you like hearing me and John, we'll be live in Bankers Life together tonight. Um, man, that's going to be late. <laughs> That's a late game. Late game. 30. Cool. Yeah, that's bizarre. Um, but I am looking forward to being on the court of Anchor's Life at like eleven. It'll be cool. Okay.
0: Yeah. Well, um, I mean, geez. Yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be fun.
1: Yeah, it will be awesome. Uh so look out for that. We'll be back as usual. Uh, as we as you have become so familiar with what do you you got anything you want to plug or, or anything before we go?
0: Uh no, go to masslive.com slash celtics. Um. <laughs> yes read, um read my stuff i had a i had a story about like my my most recent story was very miles turner centric like all of the all of the miles turner questions that were asked at the post game were all me good like that was good. my that was my story so any of the i retweeted miles the Turners, wrong
1: person i know was it you did i retweet you
0: i don't know but i no, i retweeted
1: someone miles turner quote i hope it was you i'm sorry if I didn't. yeah
0: like well I wasn't in the locker room so I don't know if Miles actually spoke so but I when Thad was at the the podium and Nate and Brad and Kyrie and and um Tatum like I was I was on podium duty and my one of my focus my focus story there was going to be the Miles Turner third quarter dominance and then the fourth quarter run with him off the floor like to me that first 4 minutes or so whatever it was with him off the floor was the game that was the game right there because the Celtics had nothing when he was on the floor and then he he left and then they got all of their confidence back and everything so I would, so go to masslive.com slash Celtics my my Miles Turner, <laughs> you can more about Turner, Turner one. I'm
1: running well Horford we're flipping the scripts a little bit how about that hey wouldn't you love it uh, that should be out tomorrow if anyone on both sides is interested in that uh, at T East NBA on Twitter it should be awesome uh, thank you guys all for listening we'll be back obviously tomorrow to talk game three uh, maybe it'll be a different tune. Maybe it won't. Who knows? We'll know in about 12 hours or so. Thank you guys so much for listening to another Locked On crossover, and we'll see y'all soon. Yeah,